Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. worthy of all praise today. Lord, I thank you. You are the God of breakthrough. Whatever would hold us back, whatever would keep us from moving forward, you are the God who has already conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you are the God who can break through any situation, any circumstance that we face. And so Lord, we ask that today, as we look to your word, that your Holy Spirit would make it alive to our hearts. Lord, anoint these lips of clay to speak your truth today, that your kingdom will be advanced as a result of this day together. We give you thanks in advance for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you're able. The notes for the message this morning uh, I sent uh, to our leader, our folks here uh, on Tuesday of this week. And... uh, not realizing all the events that would transpire in our country over the last few days. And I believe the Lord has given me a word that I want to share with you this morning that impacts uh, how we respond to all the things that are going on around us these days. If you brought a Bible with you or you got an iPad with you or a phone, John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to drink water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the story begins to unfold there. I'll not read further, but we'll talk about it as we walk through it together this morning. I believe there are two things that are important for us in these days that we need to to realize as we walk together as children of God. I think the the first thing has to do with opening our hearts to the Lord and aligning our lives with his heart. Secondly, in submitting our way to him to let him direct us and guide us in these days. The story this morning is a very pointed story. Let me quote here on the the grand statement of chapter one of John where the Bible says this, no man has seen God at any time but the only begotten son who is from out of the heart of the Father, he has declared or displayed him. In the 14th chapter of the gospel, Jesus said, if you have seen me, then you've seen my Father. Jesus deliberately took time to show us the Father's heart in everything he did. 
When you see Jesus performing miracles, you see the Father's heart. When you see Jesus opening blind eyes, you see the Father's heart. When you see Jesus feeding a multitude on a hillside, you're seeing the Father's heart. When we come to this powerful story in John 4, there's some significant things here that impact all of us. The first thing is Jesus needed to go to Samaria. On the surface, that doesn't seem like anything significant except the fact that Jews never went to Samaria. If you were going from Judea to Galilee, you went around Samaria, although Samaria would be the, the straightest route to get from Galilee or from Judea to Galilee. But there was bitter hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. There was racism, there was bigotry. If you wanted to take your life in your own hands, you be a Jew and go through Samaria. But the Bible says Jesus needed to go to Samaria. And he encounters this woman that changes her life. The hatred, the bitterness that existed now comes to focus when Jesus begins to address this woman, inquire of this woman. And Jesus begins to engage her. She says, how, how can you, a Jew, even talk to me, a Samaritan? And Jesus talks to her about living water. And she responds just like Nicodemus did. You know, how, how can I be born again? How can I go back to my mother's womb? And, and Jesus is saying to her, the water that I will give you is water that comes from deep within the recesses of your spirit. And it will be water that lives forever. The conversation here begins to develop and you see in Jesus the heart of God. The heart of God reaching toward a person going through Samaria. So when it says that he needed to go through Samaria, it would seem at first that it was just indicating an obvious route, but the Bible says that he had an appointment in Samaria. An appointment to keep. The appointment that only he knew about the woman didn't. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for God appointments. I'm grateful for those, those moments when, when God shows up unannounced. He knew he was coming, but you didn't. He knew he was gonna be there, but you didn't. And so he encounters this woman. We're told she is here at noontime. That's another thing important because if you understand the culture of the day, you can't help but understand that ladies didn't go to the well at noontime. They went in the morning before the sun got hot or they came in the evening. But she's going to the well at noon and the reason she's going to the well at noon is because the rest of the ladies in town have no use for her. So not only is she being cast out, but the women of Sychar are, are there to let her know that they're better than she is. She's an outcast. Isn't it amazing how there are times when you encounter people and you feel pretty good because you haven't been as bad as they have? Hey, you know, I'm not as bad as, as so-and-so or so-and-so. Well, God bless you. But you're still a sinner. You still needed the grace of God in your life. Isn't it interesting how we get so cocky and arrogant? Yeah. 
if we can find somebody worse off than us. Hallelujah. We have a tendency to reject people or segregate ourselves from them as it was in this Jew-Samaritan rift, racism. A woman who's cast out by other ladies. At least they're not as bad as she is. It's the hardened heart of humanity. There's another heart that comes through here. It's the heart of, a heart of hardened religion. She says, for Jews worship on this mountain and our fathers worshiped on the other mountain, which one's right? And I don't hear any kind of vindictiveness in that. The woman, when Jesus said, go call your husband, she said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's an honest confession. Because you've been divorced five times and the man you're living with now isn't your husband. And her response is, mister, I, I know that God is speaking through you. And she says, I perceive you're a prophet. God's speaking to me through you. I think you're hearing a person that's, that's saying this, you, you know, you're a prophet and you're touching where I live and, and I've been able, not been able to figure out all these things about God. Some people say it's over here and others say it's over there. And I don't know how to get to God. There's so much religious baggage around. But I hear a hungry heart. I couldn't help but think that uh, that is so reflective of our culture. All kinds of complexity, broken lives, broken homes, broken families, people who desperately need God. And Jesus keeps on responding. He says, lady, we're coming to the time when the location doesn't mean anything. In other words, he strips away the religious baggage in one statement. And he says, it's neither in this mountain or that mountain. <clears throat> and there are a lot of people that stand by and <clears throat> blow the trumpet to say, well, it's right here or it's right there. And then there are others who say, well, you know, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference what mountain. He's, Jesus said, you know, you worship, you know not what. You worship what you don't know. But we know we're worshiping for salvation is of the Jews. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's important that we get this understanding. Because what Jesus is saying here is, Popular confusion, they, they would say, you know, and, and I can verse one, it doesn't make any difference whether it's on this mountain or that mountain. It doesn't make any difference which church, which religion. There's all kind of sacred scripture we need to respect, all different things that everybody believes, kind of a generic one man, one world, one kind of God, one brotherhood, and it all sounds nice. And I don't object to the good intent of all that. The problem is all the good intention doesn't solve the problem of human confusion. Truth is not where you find it, friends. Truth is wrapped up in a person. His name is Jesus. And God is revealing himself to, a, to man with a clear stream of revelation. And he's saying to her, for salvation is of the Jews, meaning the stream of God's redemptive plan and purpose has come through the Jewish line. Jesus fulfilled his own prophecy. He claims himself to be uniquely and solely the son of God, not one of many. When he rose from the dead, he verified the fact of who he is. And he says, because I live, you will live forever. 
He's not one of many gods. He is God of very gods. We're talking about a conclusive revelation here. In one stroke, Jesus strips away the religious stuff. He says, look, lady, it's not here or there or on this mountain or that mountain. He's stripping it away. But he says, however, salvation is of the Jews. And he wasn't talking about Judaism. He was ultimately saying, salvation is in me, Jesus. So I hear a number of hearts here in this story. I hear, I hear the heart of a thirsty woman. I hear the heart of a gentle savior. I hear the heart of hardened culture. I hear the heart of cold religion. And I hear the heart of a seeking God. And in it all, I must ask myself, how is my heart supposed to be on the basis of what I see here in this story? And I knew at least one thing to be true of my own heart. That I would have a heart like Jesus toward people that have hearts like this woman. People that have been hurt. People that have been beat up. People who have been broken. Can you imagine this woman's own sense of failure? There are many people who go from one relationship to another. Remember Jesus talking to the woman, taking adultery. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And she says... There's a man here speaking to me from God. The heart of Jesus, the hunger in this woman that Jesus responds to. And I asked myself this morning, am I a contributor in any way to any of these factors, to things that divide people culturally? People like the racial bigotry that's there. Is there anything in the way I relate to people where I respond to them from some perceived superiority? And Jesus cuts through all of this. And the way he meets this woman where she is, being a Jew, her being a Samaritan does not hinder God invading that moment in that setting. And the reason that is so important today for us, because you're seeing the heart of God here. If my heart comes, comes through any differently toward people than the Lord's heart, then it's time for my heart to get changed. How I many know you can be right, but be wrong? Let me press it a little harder. Since I'm not running for office here as pastor. <laughs> if there's any one of us here today carrying anything of bitterness or unforgiveness or snobbery or racism or any attitude of perceived superiority, maybe you would never say it, but it's just there. You feel better than, more right than some other people. The question is, is there among us anyone that sometime in their life has not been a sinner and needed a savior? None of us are more superior than other people. There are no grounds. The starting place of having a heart that is ready is to acknowledge, Lord, I want my heart to be like your heart. And that's what brings us to the point of worshiping God. The woman says, I want to know how to cut through the baggage. And Jesus said, God is spirit. And though that, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in those two phrases, in spirit 
and in truth. We have a towering revelation of how God needs to be related to. In spirit, that is not mystical in any way, shape, or form. See, mysticism is not scriptural. There's some people that get this notion about the, the Holy Spirit like he is some, excuse me. The Holy Spirit's not mystical, he's supernatural. And there's a world of difference. We don't believe in mysticism. We believe that the, there's a power of the Holy Spirit that's available and he is real, he is alive, and he is not in some cloud somewhere, he is not in some kind of voodoo somewhere, he is alive and real, he is supernatural, and he works supernatural things in the lives of people. Yeah. Mysticism is not scriptural. In spirit, worship in truth, there are people that think of truth. And in many churches this morning, the exercise is worship and truth. And there's an exegeted passage of scripture and that's all wonderful. Exposition has to do with, but with the application of what it means and how it applies to our lives. God did not call us together here on Sunday morning just to get information about the Bible. But I hope you do learn things. I hope you learned something from this message today. But you see, that isn't what we came here for. That isn't God's idea. You're not going to have a Bible quiz from heaven tomorrow. What matters is, can you take something from the Word of God today and apply it to your life so you live differently this week because of the power of the Word of God? That's what it's about. Thank you, both of you. You see, worshiping in truth has to do with an openness to the Word. The Word coming into your life. Worshiping in spirit has to do with an open heart. Unveiling it before the Lord. Coming before Him in truth like this woman did when He said, where's your husband? And, and she said, I don't have one. He said, you tell, you're telling me the truth. And when we come to this matter of worship, we're coming to the matter of spirit and truth. And the answer to this woman's need was to get in touch with God. The thirst of your soul, it's only satisfied there. As the deer pants after the water brook, so my heart pants after thee, O Lord. That was David talking. Honest hearts are at this place. That's why Jesus kept this appointment in Samaria that day. He knew there was a true, honest, searching person and the thing that impresses me so much that the Father, here's what he says, the Father is seeking people like this to worship him. Those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's impossible, or it is possible to be a born again spiritual believer and fall prey to the syndrome of playing philosophical games with God. You don't set out to do it. I can tell you one way you can identify whether or not you're falling into that trap. Let me just ask you the one question this morning. Are you ticked off at anybody or do you feel superior to anybody? Is there anybody that you're having a tough time getting along with and you have a hard time accepting and understanding them? And it's wrapped up in this. How are you feeling toward people who hurt? 
people who need, people who are sinful, people who fail. How do you care about them? Because the answer to that question answers the question of how much worshiping in spirit and in truth we're talking about here. The word worship derives from the original Greek for the practice in the, in the ancient culture of being prostrate, prostrate before the Lord. Worship has to do with humbling ourselves. It's born out of a heart toward God. Here's what David said. He said, I saw the religious exercise in going on, I see everybody going to the tabernacle and offering sacrifices. But Lord, I know what you're really after. It's not those sacrifices. And incidentally, he didn't say that he wasn't gonna offer those sacrifices. He knew that was part of the system that he needed to keep. He said, Lord, what you're really after is a contrite and broken heart. You want a heart that's open to you. So he says, Lord, that's what you're really after. Bowing is an indication, humbling myself before him. And when I bring this into the context of all the events that are taking place among us in the political world, I don't know about you, but I, I can't even watch the media anymore. I'm ticked off by it all. Do I have any friends in the room? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of all of it. And you know what? I've developed an attitude about it. And this week, as I was really telling God how I felt about certain people, here's what he said to me. He said, uh, let me explain something to you, Ron. All these people you're naming that you have a problem with, they all need me. They all need me. And in that moment, something came over me and I felt sadness and sorrow that replaced my anger toward individuals and all the events that, that happened this past week. And as the sorrow over, the, over these people just gripped my spirit, the Lord said to me, that's my heart. I died for every one of them. That's why, let me just declare to you, this is not a Republican church. This is not a Democratic church. This is not an independent church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Because if we're gonna be anything in these days, and I don't know what the days ahead are gonna call, calling for. I don't know all the things we're gonna face as a nation. I don't know all the things that are going on, but here's what I do know. God wants us to have his heart. God wants us to have his heart. If he can't find it in his people, where is he going to find it? We are his church, redeemed by his blood. And just like he, Jesus showed us God's heart by an encounter 
by going through some area where he could have been stoned to death and yet he encountered a woman he had no business even talking to and yet God cuts through all the religious stuff, all the political stuff, all the hatred, all the bitterness. He cuts through it all because he cares about people. And he loves people. And he died for people. And I'm asking you, as you deal with all the emotions and feelings you have about everything that's going on around us, you can take whatever actions you want to, but you, you have no business ever not maintaining God's heart. Because when you don't have his heart, then you don't represent him. I said, if you don't have his heart, you don't represent him. And what Greensboro needs, what Washington DC needs is to see God's heart. They need to see God's heart and where are they gonna see it? Not with angry Christians, but with Christians who sorrow and grieve over the brokenness and come before him with his heart and say, God, we believe you can change things that we can't. You know, when I, I look at the first century New Testament church, here's what the scripture says about them. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were filled with the Spirit of God and the church was born. They faced a hostile Roman government. That gives me hope. They faced a hostile Roman government, but it did not stop the advancement of the church of Jesus Christ. So when you come to the fourth century, the church had so overtaken the Roman Empire that Constantine came to power and declared the world Christian. Not because the Christians were marching, but because they were living out the power of the kingdom of God and miracles were happening, lives were being changed. The transmission of the power of God changed the culture. And I gotta believe God can do it now for us. His spirit, his power. We've gotta, we gotta call upon him. We gotta trust him. We have friends in China and one of the most abusive cultures there is toward the church. Meeting in people's backyards and putting curtains up and sheets around them so that the government doesn't see them. And yet in the midst of those little backyard meetings, people's blinded eyes are being opened. The lame are walking. Cancers are being healed. You know why? When things are at their worst, God shows up with his power. I said, when things are at their worst, God shows up with his power. When the church will get focused on who he is and what he's able to do, then we know where the answers really are. And I'm challenging you to join me today to say, Lord, I want nothing to hinder me from having your heart and believing you to show up in power and glory and majesty. The kingdoms of this world, I said the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Whoever's in charge right now in this world is only temporary. <laughs> it's only temporary. 
We don't have to vote on it. It's already been decided. Don't have to worry about absentee ballots. Don't have to worry about mail-ins. Don't have to worry about any of it. It's already been decided. Jesus rose from the dead three days after he was put in a borrowed tomb and he had the keys of death, hell and the grave. And he said, because I live, you will live also. There is nothing that will ultimately conquer you. This world will belong to me and my church and my kingdom. I will rule in this world forever. Somebody get this. This morning, I'm asking you to join me in a commitment to say, and all the things that tick me off, Lord, about everything going on in this country and in this world, I choose to have your heart. Because I know if I have your heart, then you can use me to do supernatural things. Does anybody here still believe in the supernatural? I'm just checking. Just checking, some of you look like you. So Lord, I pray today in these final moments, your Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts. Lord, in the face of all the things we're dealing with around us, help us to keep perspective because the perspective is that you rule and reign. And the job of your people, your church is to maintain your heart toward people who are hurting and broken and even people who are angry and bitter. They desperately need you, Lord. They desperately need your forgiveness and your love. Let our hearts be made soft and hardened and not hardened toward people around us, but soft toward them. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would just perform miracles through your church. With our heads bowed for a moment, I want to speak to folks that may be in this room and those beyond the walls of this place right now. You need Jesus more than you need lunch. You need Jesus more than you need anything in this world. And I want to ask you to join me in the next few moments. We're going to pray a prayer together and ask the Lord to, to touch your life and change it. If you'll just acknowledge your need of him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that he came forth from the grave, we can be saved, we can be changed. I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me, those in the room and those beyond the walls of this place that are hearing me, my voice at this moment. And I'm gonna ask the congregation here to join with me in this prayer, a prayer of agreement for those of you who are making a decision in this moment to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me my past and give me a new beginning today. We're gonna to pray that prayer in agreement with you right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we open our heart to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life on a cross and paying the penalty for my sin. I invite you to come into my life today Forgive me of my past. Give me a brand new beginning today. I receive you today as my savior. I choose to walk with you now from this day forward. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. Thank you for touching my life today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand together all over the room. Can you just join me in that? Stand with me together. Can we just take a moment? Let's just give the Lord praise for his touch today in the lives of people. Come on. Hallelujah.